0: Awesome. Thank you. Cool. So I thought we could start by just going back to the basics, as always, talking about how you got into music and production. So I know you studied piano um, when you were younger and then went to university and originally got into production. Was there a moment where you thought, oh, I'm actually really into this technical side. I want to learn more about electronic music and move towards that as opposed to your previous training?
1: I think, um, so like how I kind of came to taking music tech classes was basically... I was really enjoying the course I was doing and a friend of mine who was a year above me was like, oh, you should take some of these tech classes. They're really nice. You can just like do it on your laptop, put your headphones on, kind of like just do your own thing alone. (laughs) And that kind of appealed (laughs) to me rather than being in like ensembles and stuff. I kind of was like, oh, like, I spend a lot of time on my computer alone most of the time anyway, that so to, like, <laughs> it could work. Like, and I was always you know, like listening to loads of music and like thralling through the internet and stuff. So this really appealed to me. Um, so it kind of went from there and I just took all the tech classes and I really liked it for that reason that I could kind of like tip away things on my own, like just put headphones on and mess around and yeah, like just kind of experiment, and see what happens. And it was really, there were, I didn't really have any rules. It was just a lot about like learning the software Mm-hmm. kind of seeing like what I liked it wasn't really about like putting a form on anything so I guess like as I did the classes um I was well I was at the same time like getting more and more interested in electronic music and buying more records so it kind of just kind of went hand in hand and mm-hmm. um, which was kind of nice and then I guess like what I was listening to probably was shaping a bit what I was messing around with but um like composition wise but yeah like up until that point I didn't really have like I always listened to bits of electronic music but I wasn't um, like super clued into to DJing or anything like that so it was really like I got into production first and then kind of DJing second but uh, yeah a lot of it was just kind of making noise in the beginning and Mm. messing around and just like really having a fun time and just putting my headphones on be like oh my god this sounds class or how (laughs) did I do this or just like happy accidents.
0: Yeah, Yeah I love happy accidents. That's nice. nice. And do you find that elements of piano seep themselves into your music now or do you find them to be like very separate uh, entities?
1: I think, yeah, like in the last couple of years, it started seeping in and um, one way or the other, like I had kind of recordings of me doing bits and bobs in the piano, like bits of improvisations over the years. And I decided, oh, maybe I could like chop that in and put it in. But that's only been in the last couple of years, like really, when I got into writing electronic music, it was very much because I wanted to do the opposite of all the stuff I knew. And I Mm. think that's why I liked it so much was I really didn't know anything about it. And like when you learn a classical instrument or when you go into the the degree I was in, like you just get told about all these rules for things Mm. (laughs) or like you have it in your head, like all these structures for things. And when I started doing electronic music, I just really liked it because I didn't know about any of that. I I had no reference for all the stuff I was doing. So it was really fun. So yeah, in the beginning, like the piano stuff wasn't really, part of it at all but then definitely in the last few years it's all kind of come full circle and bits mm-hmm. and bobs come in or I start like weaving in things or I'm able to apply things I learned now I guess more about structures and form mm-hmm. and I can weave them back in but in the beginning I was like oh, I don't like know <laughs> <was a> <laughs> part of my head I was like no yeah. way but now like it's just funny how it happens everything's really comfortable full, full <laughs> it all helps yeah
0: I love that yeah definitely like a rebellion to your
1: training Absolutely, like a hundred percent. I just had had enough, and I just didn't <laughs> like it. I don't know. I just yeah, disillusioned. And then yeah, just having this clean slate of I could do whatever, and I didn't know anything about it. It was just really appealing to me at the time. Mm.
0: And who were you listening to at that time? Who were your big inspirations, if you can remember?
1: yeah so like what was i in college it just makes me feel really old because in some ways when i think about it I'm like it's four years ago but actually no it was probably around like 20 10 10 years ago i don't know <laughs> even before that but what i was listening to um like i was listening to a lot of noise and stuff like that and then kind of like uh kind of experimental stuff like a lot of eric copeland he was doing a lot of like really cool things at the time that was kind of like collage electronics it was really dance music but kind of collage and that kind of led me to more stuff um, and then I would have been listening to a lot of like Fate to Mind and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff that was coming out and like night slogs. But then also around the same time in my city in Ireland, um, a friend of mine started running like a really forward thinking night, like from a very small city. Um, and he started doing this forward thinking night called Stranger. Mm-hmm. And at the time he started booking like a ton of artists that were on Blackest of Black and um, he had stuff from Oscar Powell's label as well. Uh, what's that? Diagonal? Like, he had, mm-hmm. so he had all these people coming to just play like this small city in Ireland. He had Rame, like Andy Stott, Powell, awesome. like all these people. And at the time I was like, this, I'm so into this. Like, this is my jam. So then I was just listening to a ton of like, all that kind of stuff, black, silver, black. And I guess it's all like dark electronic. What do you think yeah. it as? Like it's kind of slow, kind of abstract. And that was a great space as well because I got to do a lot of support slots for these guys too. And I was doing mostly live sets. So yeah, it was kind of more like slow, electronic, with a lot of sampling It's kind of what I was mm-hmm. listening to. And then that kind of led me to more stuff later. But I, I guess around that time, that was kind of the jam. So like a mixture of, I guess, more stuff from the States. It was more like Fate Mind and I guess Nightslux is the UK and then more like black super black, awesome. modern love, yeah, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, and what is the nightlife like in your hometown in Ireland?
1: Oh, um, I mean, it's <laughs> peaks and troughs. Like around around that time when I was in university, or like actually around the time I think this is more when I finished uni when they were doing those nights. Um, it was just very lucky it was like the right place at the right time it was a record shop and a venue and it was all in the same building and there was like really great programming going on but like anything it didn't last very long and then the building went into other hands and it's all been in flux since and yeah it's, it's very tricky in ireland to get things off the ground because um the licensing laws are tough like you can only run mm. until 2am and it's really expensive oh, really? to get that license yeah it's, everywhere
0: so that's, that's like the latest you can go to
1: yeah, wow. I think there might be places maybe in Dublin you can go into like quarter to three, maybe. But like that's that's it. Um, oh wow! So yeah, it's 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 not it's not great in terms of that, and it's really hard to get spaces. And now, like it was kind of bad. When I had left, I, I'm in Berlin three years now and it was kind of bad when I left, a lot of things had closed down. But mm. now I know since Corona, it's it's really hard for people mm. to get things running and off the ground. So there's like a really good community of people. And like I do miss that about Ireland. They're really genuine people who really want to make things happen. But it's so mm. hard to get spaces and funding. And mm. um, so It's just like this catch-22 constantly. So... I feel like it's always in flux. Like sometimes someone gets something really good off the ground, and you're like, "Oh, this is a sick party!" But then the venue will be taken away or something, or turned oh, into a it's hotel. It's so heartbreaking. He turned into a hotel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that keeps on happening
0: in Melbourne as well. We're pretty lucky with our licenses in Melbourne, but in Sydney, it's similar. They have very tough laws, and I know that in Sydney, that means that they have lots of underground kind of communities and parties instead. Do you find that happens in Ireland? Like, there's a big oh, kind, cool. kind of illegal rave community in Sydney.
1: I don't know I'm not super clued in like there definitely are of course there are but I'm not super clued in if it's become really popular because I haven't I haven't been in that environment in Ireland in a couple mm. of years but I did hear of a couple of cool ones happening like last year in Corona time and um, people having obviously like outdoor socially distanced and everything um, yeah. in some cool locations but I mean, again, the other problem in Ireland you have to prepare for is the weather. Oh, Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> so, like so that also is a new is a new twist that complicates things. Oh yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not sure with the underground party scene. I would like to think there's people doing stuff, but uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, same here with weather. Our stereotype for Melbourne is four seasons in one day, and it could not be more true. Every day really, you have to bring, that sounds like, like Ireland. Yeah, you have to bring like an umbrella because it might rain, and then it's 30 degrees, then it'll be 19 degrees an hour later. Gosh, but it's fun. Keeps you on your toes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. So you mentioned uh, you mentioned you actually started production before DJ beforehand, yep. which I'm pretty surprised about because the same year you released your first EP, Romance, was also your Boiler Room debut. Yeah. That's awesome. Do so you find that like when you're learning both of those, they were kind of going hand in hand and you are taking skills from DJing and applying that to production and vice versa, or were you more interested in production and then DJing was kind of a way to fuel um, the production? So the relationship? Think,
1: yeah, so I was really into production because like my background was at, like more composition then as, as I got more into kind of learning about music software and I took some composition classes, all that kind of thing. And, but at the same time I was buying records and I had always been one of these like, you know, soul-seek serial downloaders to start with everything <laughs> like since I was about like, 13 just like scroll like thralling the internet for stuff <laughs> um so it was like I had always collected music and then I guess I, I was playing a lot of live sets I kind of fell into doing live because a lot of my friends were in bands and stuff Um, like more of my friends were in bands playing like metal than they were DJing techno, you know what I yeah. mean? That was more like the environment I was in. Uh, so it's just normal that like, okay, they play live. So like I should play live. So I was just working on live sets. And then I think it happened because like the people in the record shop that I was buying the records from were like, hey, do you want to like do a, an hour downstairs? I had a cafe and like, do you want to play some records there? And that's kind of how it got started. And then I actually realized I really enjoyed it. And it kind of went from there and I was like trying to practice more. And then um, I bought CDJs at one point. Like I had decks, and then I bought CDJs, and I just got really into it. Then I think, when I, especially when I got the CDJs, because records can be obviously very expensive. Yeah, and they're super fun to play, but I always felt restricted because it was like, oh, but I want to play this, but I don't have it or mm. whatever. Then when I got when I got the CDJs, I was like, okay, this is actually class because it was like everything that I had learned with music production and software and Ableton I could just apply it directly to CDJs like looping Mm. stuff and having more effects and then I think when I got them like that was really like okay this is this is really fun and I got really into it Um, so I think I was kind of quite lucky that I got into DJing I find it really fun uh, and as fun as I do find production like two different parts of my brain but I really Mm. like both of them But I always feel bad as well because of the way things are now that like I feel like if you're a producer you almost have to DJ and there's obviously people that aren't gonna like DJing and but you kind of have to do it now so I do feel quite lucky that I really enjoy both but it definitely sucks if you don't enjoy it. Trying to do gigs or whatever but you can only get booked for DJ gigs or you don't want to do a live set yeah and so yeah and then when I when I did The Boiler Room I, I did I think when I did the first one, that was a live set, and then I did a second one a few years later, and that was DJing. Okay. But um, like even when Romance came out, like it takes so long for the records to come out. Like the tracks were already, I think, a year, two years old. Yeah. So it's even, even I think when I was playing the tracks in the boiler room for Romance, because the record was out about the same time, everything was already like quite old then. I, I remember even the records yeah. had tons of delays. It was longer than it should have been. Uh, so that was a whole even other aspect of it. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So that was a very yeah. long way to answer your question. <laughs> but basically, <laughs> basically, long story short, I kind of fell into DJing. People said, yeah. like, oh, hey, do you want to DJ here? Like, later, like do you want to do that? And I was like, yeah, and then I got more into it.
0: Yeah, um, I find that's very common. It's interesting that you bring up the delays. First of all, the delays as well now at the moment for record pressing plans are so huge in COVID. Yeah. But yeah, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on releasing in general because I know some people are quite perfectionists with releasing music and don't want to release things until like they're at the very best, but then when you reach that point, you know, it might, yeah, it might be like a year or two until it finally comes out and then you've changed so much, your skills have changed so much and looking back on it, yes, you can view it as like a timestamp, but also it's like it doesn't feel like an accurate representation of yourself at the moment. So how do you deal with how do you deal with releasing music? Are you do you think do you consider yourself a perfectionist or do you just, you know, finish something and release it?
1: Um what's generally happened with nearly every release I've done is I tend to just like finish tracks not for any particular reason like not for a record yeah. just like just to finish tracks. And then sometimes someone hits me up and they're like, "Hey, do you have anything you could send me?" And I've been very lucky that I've had some tracks that managed to kind of work in a record format that come together. There's been very few things that like I've written it specifically for a label or like, oh, mm-hmm. this is going to be for that record. I feel like if I did that, it would put me under huge pressure yeah. and it probably wouldn't come together. Um, so I've been lucky that I've been able to have like this pool of tracks that I can like, oh yeah, maybe this will work, maybe that'll work. But unfortunately, that pool of tracks is very small <laughs> right now. <laughs> there's there's hardly any left. I've I've all tapped out, especially last year. Like I did so many compilations. I was like, yes, yeah, I your track. And now like I don't have the time, I, mean, I don't have as so much time as I'd like to replenish the pool. So yeah. I need to, to get back on that, hopefully over the over the Christmas. So I'll be able to find yeah. some stuff out. But I um, well, sorry, but you were gonna say what you've mentioned about the delays. It's like it's it's mad. Like you finish something, you hand it to someone and then like, I've had scenarios where the record hasn't come out until like two and a half years later. I think the, mm. the Glacial record took about two and a half years. Wow. And it was so long. And then the tracks come out, and it's cool when people are hyped about it. And they're like, I really like that. Yeah. But like, mentally, you're like, I don't want to hear that ever yeah. again. <laughs> <And> you've moved on <laughs> so, so much. You're so over it. Um, and now more than ever, we're like all the corona delays with pressing plants. Oh, God. Um, it's so tough, and I, I mean, I mean, there's lots of other like ethical questions as well. Like, if you want to go into about you know, and um, how sustainable it is to even be pressing vinyl, yeah. and then there's all the other stuff about like how many times do people even listen to the record now. Like, mm. it, music's become so it's so quick in other ways, people are like, oh, this is it, they're done. So, mm. I am interested to see if anything changes in the next like 10 years or something, mm. or if it's just going to stay in this kind of same rhythm. and um, because it does feel very unsustainable for a lot of people, also for the producers, for the labels, like yep. the, everything. The energy people have to put in to get it going, definitely. Um, but at the same time, like I love a physical format, mm. so I feel very like conflicted.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah are you thinking that the vinyl revival might die out?
1: I guess it could. Yeah, I, I don't know. I read this thing recently that like vinyl sales, I think between the age group of something like eighteen to twenty-four are higher than ever. Yeah, and people are basically buying them more as like artwork yeah and um, especially people Collect who don't... Items. yeah collector's items exactly yeah um i think especially people that don't have decks or whatever and they'll have already streamed the tracks or downloaded it, to, like the mp3s or whatever and they're just kind of having it as like a nice physical thing to have which is like that's nice too um but yeah it's hard to see will that momentum keep going or will that mm. die out and something will replace it Mm. I don't know. Because, because it is so frustrating, From sorry, from a producer's point of view, when you're yeah, like, definitely. you want your record to come out. It takes forever.
0: Yeah, and like you said, yeah. for a label as well, it's so expensive. I guess it's kind of like merch in a lot of ways, um, people's attachment to vinyl. But I've seen that lots of people are doing cassettes again. I think cassette sales have gone up as well. I don't, don't know the percentage. But I find that very interesting because I have a few tapes, but I don't even own a tape player. And I feel like lots of people that I know are in the same, are in the same boat.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and tapes are really fast to turn around as well, and I think you can do like a lot of nice things with the artwork. Yeah, um, but yeah, I also don't know if I have a tape player <laughs> <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, it's so silly. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what the future of
0: music could look like. Honestly, it's it's out of my mind. I'm thinking. I don't know if you went to any or have heard of any of the kind of virtual raves or virtual parties that went, that happened over the last years. But I think definitely that could happen. There was one in in Australia called Ultravirus, where you can pretty much make a character and then you join like this online universe as your character and you still uh, still go to events and sets by DJs, but you're just like this little person.
1: It's cool. I mean, it's kind of like The Sims.
0: Yeah, it's like The The Sims. Sims.
1: I don't know if that yeah. was maybe it was just lockdown I don't know yeah I don't know like I definitely remember all those things popping up during lockdown and I am um, I didn't actually partake in any of them not for any particular reason I just didn't yeah. at the time but yeah it's very interesting especially with this whole other thing like the metaverse thing oh my you know, gosh this, like Facebook metaverse. Yeah. <laughs> What is happening? So like, but like, you know, maybe that could push people more into these virtual events even further. Yeah, I mean, I don't know We're I think we're going a bit, a bit down a rabbit hole, but um, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it is it is interesting, though. And it's cool that these things are happening and yeah. if there's new things available and changes. But, yeah,
0: yeah, VR no will idea. probably be at the forefront of the future. So yeah. interesting. Yes, you're right. We're going down a rabbit hole. <laughs> so... When I messaged you, I, my message mentioned that when I first heard your song, Pepsi, that's the first song I heard of yours. And I was obsessed, but I'm not saying that lightly. So please, this is when I also just learned how to DJ. So it was about, I think it was just about two years ago um, okay. this song came out and I was learning DJ as well. And it was like the first song I'd ever heard like that. And so I was just showing it to my friends all the time, my friend that I DJ with as well. I'd play it all the time. She was like, whoa, what is this? Pretty much, this is just no me. <laughs> me me, um, on a tangent saying like, I'm interested in your creative process behind that EP, that three track EP, Confectionery, and yeah. how you did it like technically, and then also kind of just like the moods that you imbued within it.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I actually, I love that record as well. It's one of my favorite ones that I've done. And it's so interesting because the Pepsi track was written around the same time as like the romance record. Mm. But they sound completely different Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you would never think that um but yeah they were written around the same time um so what basically happened was i was chatting to paul from glacial and the label and it was one of those things like do you have any tracks like send me the tracks so there's three i think it's three tracks on the record i can't remember Mm -hmm. confectionary and they're actually all from different times of different years like when i when i wrote them um, i think jawbreaker is actually really old it's like 2013 i wrote that or something it's like very very um very very old but yeah it's like interesting how then they've got this continuity of like this kind of icy abstract vibe Mm -hmm. they kind of fit together even though they weren't written to be together Um, but yeah like when i wrote pepsi basically i had been sending out demos to people um, and it wasn't the Pepsi track, it was just like random other stuff. And I sent some tracks to one person in particular who ran a label in the UK and he was like, oh, I I really like what you're doing, but I feel like it's just not rude enough for what I, what I would like. And I was kind of like, rude enough, like what? And it really got in my head. And then I decided I wanted to make a track that sounded rude. And that's kind of how Pepsi came about. And that's amazing. Sounded- it took me such a long time to write it because I was like, it's not rude enough. Like I was constantly like, what is rude? Like what is a rude sound? Um and I still think about that to like this day. And it's so much time has passed and like, oh my god, maybe I need to make this ruder. But um <laughs> that that was basically how, how Pepsi came about. And then well. um I I had like the, the bones of it for quite a while and I was very frustrated and I couldn't really figure out what to do with it and then I think basically like the last section, I just went crazy on pitch shift and mm-hmm. I started just like doing these really, really minute uh, transpositions with just like drawing in the pitch in Ableton, mm-hmm. like really tiny ones. So you get this kind of like up down feeling when you listen to the track towards the end, because as well around this time I was I was really trying not to keep adding stuff on, but just using what I have and making tiny changes, mm-hmm. um, so that was kind of how it came together. But it actually took me ages to write that track, and I've had so many people since be like, "Oh, can you do another one like Pepsi?" And like, I've never been able to write a track like it since. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just so so weird. Maybe that time will come. You know, again, rude don't know. <laughs> Yeah, like nothing else is as rude, as, rude as Pepsi. But um, yeah, and then I think the other tracks, Skittles. I kind of had an idea in my head then that like I wanted to do this theme of, like confectionery. Mm-hmm. um with kind of an icy vibe so then skills kind of came and then jawbreaker was some other track that was nameless so the name kind of fitted in right and all kind of slotted together mm-hmm. um but uh yeah that's definitely like more the direction that i'd like to go back to in the mm-hmm. future <laughs> go back to the future with that one and <laughs> um, definitely want to have some time over christmas to like write some more stuff i i definitely would be using that as a reference again because it's I just really, I just really like it. Like still today, I feel like out of all the yeah. things I've done, it stands up the most. Um, probably also because the rude things is gonna be forever etched in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> I think rude. that's amazing. I mean, when the guy said to me, it started like, it was super, it was super polite. It was just like, oh, I really like what you're doing, but it's just not rude enough for me. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, how do I make it rude? Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. Do you find that when you're making music, you often have like that, a word you're going to?
1: Oh, it's just always rude. <laughs> so, <laughs> rude? Rude always sneaks in. Sometimes it's 50-50. Like sometimes I have a really clear idea in my head or like a am in a sample and then I like I'll associate something with the sample and then the, the track kind of like writes itself. But then other times I really don't really know what I'm going for. And then that's mm-hmm. really challenging. And I like I'm just trying to throw shit at it all and see what sticks basically. And mm-hmm. um, but sometimes like um, Like, the last record last year, Housebreaker, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, people are calling it like a jungle record, even though Mm -hmm. I don't really set out to like write like a genre, just like whatever happens, happens. Mm -hmm. And I think I was just going for like dark vibes. I had all these dark strings that I had been cutting up, like all these samples at the time. And I was kind of like, okay, that's the vibe. And I was kind of able to run with that. And then I knew I was going to do a flip of it. I wanted to do like a kind of a dub, slow version. b-side and that kind of worked out like i was able to turn them both around fairly quickly mm. But that is certainly not always the case mm. <laughs> sometimes i just don't know what i'm going for and that can be really hard then mm. so yeah it's definitely 50 50.
0: yeah i was gonna come on to housebreaker I, I i definitely see the jungle vibe this there's obviously breaks inside it so you feel like you're yeah. gonna keep on going in that trajectory towards you know breaks and jungle or Oh who knows? Yeah
1: I, do- yeah, I don't know. Like it wasn't even I did a couple of breaks records and that was never even the intention. It just kinda happened that way. <laughs> um so like I have another record out that's out next year and it's not a breaks record. There is one track with Breaks but it's definitely not like a mm. big, like fast breaks number. Um so it'll probably be a mixed bag in the future because I definitely don't want to become someone's just like oh they just write breaks yeah Either you know, don't know like pigeonhole myself i like to like mess around with lots of different sounds anyway
0: very wise so, can you yeah. tell us more about this record coming out
1: yeah so hopefully tentatively i'm gonna say april but nice. like with all these vinyl delays yeah <laughs> <laughs> who, knows? <laughs> who knows so yeah. i'm gonna say next next year 2020 yeah. uh, and it's basically four tracks and mm-hmm. um, and I'm trying to remember what's on it now. So there is, like, yeah, the last track is kind of like a slow, chopped up kind of breaks things, like quite abstract. And then there's three other ones. Um, and I'm trying to remember what they are. And it's just not <laughs> coming to me. I can remember two of them. Maybe it's not four tracks. Maybe it's two <laughs> tracks. And I can't remember. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just like, like I was saying before, it's like a mixture of things mostly written over the last couple of years have kind of slotted together well. Um, Oh yeah, there's two that are very, very percussive. All right, it's quite like drummy, and um, a lot of different percussion, kind of dark. But you could definitely, I think there's one kind of one thirty track that you could definitely slot in. I think it would be quite like a good club tune. Um, but it's definitely a mixture of more abstract stuff. I feel like it probably sums. It's a bit of a mix of everything I've done so far. Like it's got some Pepsi vibes. It's also got some like housebreaker vibes. It's like a good mix of everything so far. Um, that I've been up to. So yeah, hopefully that will be April next year. Awesome. But, uh, yeah, so hopefully that happens. And then, yeah, my plan is in the meantime to just try to get that pool of tracks replenished. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> try well, write, write more stuff again.
0: Yeah, I haven't had very little inspiration at the moment, so I feel you. But what's been taking
1: up your time? Uh, so, work, yeah, working, paying those bills, um, paying them bills. <laughs> you know, got to do it, mm-hmm. um, but as well, uh, like over the last year I was kind of lucky and not lucky in that I had some big projects for like arts festivals and other bits and bobs, I had a thing for an ensemble, I wrote some music for a dancer, like lots of different things, awesome. um, and they're super good and I, I love doing those things, really fun but those big projects take like big chunks of time
0: yeah definitely. and uh
1: yeah it's like it's really rewarding but I, I did a lot of them over the last year year and a half and it just adds into my time for other things and then like you know social media is a curse people be like we well, you haven't put anything out like you haven't went up to anything and i'm literally thinking i've done so much <laughs> nobody knows about it yeah literally <laughs> like like i'm so tired That's um so- <laughs> Yeah. It's so, so funny
0: because yeah, the inverse can happen as well. People are like, Wow, you're doing so much, you're releasing all this music, but it's like, Yeah, I made that a year ago. That's that's yes, not what I'm doing now. Absolutely. <laughs> that's
1: that's also so accurate. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, so so yeah, I mean the good thing is I so I did all these big things and I have all the recordings of them, like these big long recordings. So mm. I'm gonna go through them again kinda like with fresh ears and maybe I can repurpose some awesome. bits. We'll see. <laughs> We'll see. But yeah, hopefully, like there's a lot of material there, so maybe I can move it around and make something out of it.
0: Awesome. And I'm interested to hear about your live sets at the moment. How do you do those? Is it just your laptop with lots of MIDI stuff or do you use hardware? What's your go-to setup at the moment?
1: Yeah, so I haven't done a live set in ages, actually. Mm. I kind of stopped. Lockdown? I I stopped, yeah, lockdown. And even before that, I kind of stopped doing them for a while because I was really enjoying DJing. Mm. And I was finding that like a lot of the time for live sets, sometimes the programming is way off and like someone's gonna like drop you in between someone playing gabber or something and it's just not gonna work for a live set so <laughs> it was like very stressful for the time you put into it as well but yeah so before um I think I've been doing live sets since 2019 or 18 maybe oh,
0: wow.
1: and it was basically yeah everything in Ableton and I'd use the push I think I was using a MIDI keyboard, like a very small MIDI keyboard as mm-hmm. well for just where I wanted to play like um, some pads, whatever. And what I was basically doing was, I had this huge set enabled in Ableton that was, I wasn't playing back tracks but I was taking the key features out of tracks and kind of like rebuilding them or like moving them around on mm-hmm. the fly. And then I had all these pads that I could play on the keys or arcs and stuff that I could slot in that kind of like worked regardless of what track I was playing. That makes Mm -hmm. sense. And then I'd have a ton of effects mapped on the Ableton push. So as well, I could apply those effects to anything. Um, And even if that's just like something simple, like a delay, it can transform the feeling quite a lot, especially Mm -hmm. then like um, moving through BPM. So I think I was also starting like quite like abstract and slow, like spacey, icy vibes. And then towards the end, it was like more club um, feeling with like a higher BPM. And that's what I was doing. I think it was about like, Just shy of an hour when I was doing the live sets, Um, but yeah, I I stopped doing them for a while because I found that like you have to put a lot of time into them. You have to like rehearse. Obviously, Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of things can go wrong, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I just I put them on ice for a while because um, I just felt that unless something was really well programmed, but like maybe it was a night of live sets or something like that i was just putting myself under a huge amount of pressure to sound like a dj Mm -hmm. and that's not the purpose of a live set like the tracks aren't supposed to be as they are in the record i'm not supposed to be doing a dj set but like you feel like oh people want to hear the tracks whatever Mm. so i was just trying to like at the time really deconstruct them and make it like more abstract but still with like danceable parts Mm. So I do feel that's probably something I'll go back to in the future and try and make it bigger and better.
0: Yeah. Um, You're just waiting for the right event.
1: Yeah, I think so. If someone came to me and it was like a nice, a special kind of intimate event and the vibe was right, I think I'd, I'd put something together. But um uh, yeah, it's definitely no fun when it's not programmed correctly and then you're just panicking, you're like, oh my God, yeah. this is going down like a lead balloon. <laughs> <laughs> what a great saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. But I am, especially from lockdown and everything now, I am kind of feeling like, oh, maybe I should go back to it again.
0: Yeah, can be very fun. Sometimes it gives you something that DJing can't, in
1: my opinion. But obviously, yeah, it's like, different. You come across happy accidents as well. Sometimes yeah. when you doing a live set, and you're like, "Oh, like that could be great in a track." And when I, when I started out, like I was, all of my tracks were based around things that I had done live. I just mm. used to do like big. I used to record the live sets and then try and chop them up later to form tracks and like mm. arrange them that way. And I n- I never do that anymore. That's such so a good maybe, idea maybe i need to go back to that
0: <laughs> yeah it's awesome awesome way as well to get feedback like you can play a song or play just some ideas that you have and see how people respond and Absolutely. then you, yeah you get that feedback for creating yes. new music which is awesome
1: yeah cool. it's a really good testing ground yeah yeah
0: i want to hear about gash collective is this something you're still running at the moment
1: yeah so still involved with Gash, probably not as much as i would be if i was still in ireland yeah but um yeah so the Crack is basically it's just a collective that I founded in 2016 with some friends of mine and the whole basis of it I mean there's lots of similar ones now at the time there wasn't a huge amount of them and there definitely wasn't in Ireland. It was just like we all felt the same disillusionment in the Irish scene of not seeing any like non-straight white anyone except straight white men on, on lineups. Yeah. And it was getting me very tired and as well, we knew a lot of like really talented people that should have been getting booked but weren't getting a look in. And then it was a lot of shared experiences of how we felt we had been treated being booked for certain things like definitely, you know, people will be kind of taking the piss out of you sometimes when you're going to set up, especially this happens so many times when I'd be setting up for a live set, you would be like, are you going to sing us a song there? I'm like, no. <laughs> You know, they're trying to wind you up, and it's funny the first time, but then it literally happens again and again. You want to oh, sing a no. the song there? You sure you don't want a microphone? Go on up there and sing a song. I've hey, got <laughs> a singer. Yeah, I'm not a singer. Or someone, <laughs> someone's like, uh, someone thinks you only got the gig because like you're going out with a barman, or you've yeah. got some, you know, there's a lot of this, and you're just, it just becomes Definitely. so tired. And then it was also really sad. Like I was having conversations with people and they were saying I'd love to do a music production course, but I feel like I, I, because I'd be the only girl in the year no one's gonna take me seriously. Or I've got some mates of mine who DJ, but I feel like they don't take me seriously when I, when I wanna join in or mm. ask them or something. So there's a lot of that as well. Like a lot of people like what's in a safe space. So, um, yeah, the whole thing about GASH was basically that because Ireland's so small, we're very fortunate that it wasn't centered in one city. So, it's like about connecting people from all the different cities uh, or towns or wherever and coming together and kind of like sharing expertise and also mm. providing a platform for people to like cut their teeth on radio or uh, gigs or anything else so we did that by doing like loads of free workshops we've got a radio series that's been going for about five years now on an irish radio station called radio and um, that's been great as well because we basically try and have it so that it's people that have never done radio before sometimes never done Mm. even a mix before wow uh, yeah, so it's really fun and it's really cool, like, um, we've gotten all sorts of different genres, all sorts of different things, like spoken word, like, we had a great mixture in the year of, like, Ethiopian music from the 60s. Oh, awesome. It was class, it was so good. Um, and, like, especially when you're starting out, sometimes it's just good to have a deadline and to do something and then you've got something you can share and then you can use that to try and get gigs or like we book people off the back of some people have done amazing mixes and we're like, oh, they'd be so good for to support this mm. person and whatever. Um, so yeah, that was kind of the thing. And then obviously it slowed down a bit with uh, the pandemic and everything, but I'd love to be able to start doing workshops and stuff again. Um, Lols, who's still in Ireland, who runs GASH as well, she does all the bookings. She's been able to do a few bits and pieces since things have kind of reopened. So mm. that's been cool. So hopefully... That will continue and <laughs> there won't be a ton more lockdowns. Oh, so <laughs> people be able to play right? out and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, like I definitely would love to do like we did like a almost like a workshop tour at one point. We went around the whole Oh wow. And, yeah, we were doing like DJ and production workshops and sometimes we have promoters come in and like talking about how they set up their party or like what you can do if you want to start running a night and stuff and then um, the feedback is really good so i'd love to do something like that again and it I be when settled down
0: awesome and yeah and do you find that there's been a positive change in the last what is that five years you said since it's yeah started?
1: yeah i think it's five or six years yeah i guess next year would be six years yeah i definitely have like from the first year we started until now like now the lineups are um a lot more diverse than they were five or six years ago that being said it can always be more diverse, like especially in mm-hmm. terms of pe- people of color and all that kind of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I've definitely seen a huge difference. Like even when I think about like when I was in uni and started going to nights, like I never saw a woman DJ. Mm-hmm. I never saw anyone that I could be like, oh my God, like she's like me. Yeah. <laughs> and that visibility is so role important. Model. Role model, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's just so important. And I, I think like it would have been so nice when I was 18 or 19, when I started going to, to clubs, or whatever, it would have been so nice to have that and to see that there. And it just wasn't there. And I know I have lots of friends that feel similarly. And now I feel like that's definitely changing or has changed. Um, and hopefully we'll continue to only get better. Mm-hmm. And as well, like there's lots of cool DJ societies and a lot of the unis now that are a lot more split 50-50 mm-hmm. than they were before. Before it was definitely like boys clubs and stuff. So mm-hmm. I feel like there's more opportunity and um, yeah there's more collectives similar to Gash that have popped up in Ireland in the last couple of years like Skin and Blister is one that's doing similar stuff that's also great and um, yeah just sharing that knowledge as well so yeah I just hope it continues and definitely like all the pandemic stuff kind of put pause on things for a while but Mm -hmm. I guess it's the same same for everyone at the moment
0: yeah (laughs) yeah and also do you you find the um no not do you find do you have any advice for fellow artists, I guess, or promoters even to kind of ensure good representation. Like I know there's been a lot of talk at the moment about artists having a diversity rider. I don't know if you have Mm. one of those,
1: or you know what that is like. I mean, yeah, I've I've seen some stuff about that. I mean, like, I think that's a good idea. And but I think that like that also totally depends on where you are in your DJing career if you want to use that word like obviously it's much easier for some people to say that than the other uh, than others like people who are just starting out where it's kind of like do you want the gig or not you know yeah definitely (laughs) um but I definitely do think it's obviously of course it's a good idea to to say like well who else is playing and like have a look at the lineup and I like that's just kind of common sense to me that you yeah. you'd want to know that anyway yeah exactly and see see like, like do a vibe check like does this even make sense like why why am I playing it in the first place especially with different parties and collectives like personally I'd always want to make sure it was like a similar mindset you know that you're not just playing something totally random and that's just really fit with your values yeah um so yeah yeah I think it's a good idea like I guess more people that can be more outspoken about it is, 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 can only be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, awesome. And do you find, do you hope that, um, do you think that there will be any positive change from the pandemic on the music industry? Oh, it's, so, it's hard. so hard. It's so
1: hard. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. Some days I feel good about it and some days I feel really disillusioned. But yeah, I'm the exact same. <laughs> like, you know, at some parts of the pandemic, kind of mid-pandemic or when it was kicking off, people were like, oh, but this means that when things are going, like people are only going to book local acts and there's going to be more of a focus on the little guy and all this kind of thing. <laughs> but like, that definitely has not happened, especially, <laughs> especially here in Berlin. Like, yeah. you know, it's just been, I've seen so many big headliners flying in um, since stuff reopened, now that's not to say there are some smaller people like groups doing smaller nights and stuff. That's not to mm. say that's not happening, but it's very disappointing to see the people that have clout like mm. not changing anything. Yeah. Um. So that is like super dis- disillusioning. Um. But yeah, I don't know. The other thing that I find so weird is how important social media has become mm. and even in pandemic times when everyone was talking about their mental health and how social media is so damaging all this kind of stuff like that also seems to have gone out the window Mm. it's just back (laughs) to like sell 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 social media you know like be on there all the time and i i wonder is the steam gonna run out in that soon because that's also not sustainable it's just like Mm. people creating super brands rather than focusing on music or craft or anything like that. and It also sucks for people who really don't like that. And maybe they're yes. amazing producers or they're sick DJs, but they don't want to be on the internet all the time, like yeah. shouting about whatever. And it sucks that that's what the industry has become, that you have to do that. And that's part of it now. Definitely. Um, I find yeah, I don't that, even like, know.
0: super grim. <laughs> I'm not even sure if there's a way around it, I guess, because yeah, there are so many DJs that play here that are kind of old school DJs that have their following from before social media times. But besides them, I can't really think of anyone that's built a following outside of social media that's kind of new to the scene. Yeah, it's
1: it's a tough one. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, I'd love to see more change in that, but it doesn't seem to have happened yet. So, Who knows? (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? Like, yeah, like I said, I've got my good days, my bad days. Some days I'm like feeling optimistic and I'm like, yeah, it's going to yeah. change. And then other days I'm like, fuck this system. <laughs>
0: yeah, fuck the system. Yeah. yeah. I guess we're a bit different here in Australia. We have had, because it's hard to get to Australia for international acts and most international acts weren't allowed to until very recently. So we have had a huge focus on local programming. And yeah. Our, like festivals next year are going to have a huge local focus, which is really nice to see. But yeah, I can imagine that not happening in Berlin.
1: How, is, how has yeah. your move
0: to Berlin been for music?
1: Uh, yeah, like, I mean, the first year was really good, pre-corona, <laughs> first yeah. year was really good. Uh, it was very busy. It was like, you know, you're in a new place, everything's like quite rosy Um, it was really good. And then I kind of got like half, oh no, I got 2019 in and then Corona was early 2020 right yeah time time at the moment so, so i was here in 2019 as well so end of 2018 and 2019 yeah so it's pretty good pretty good um like it's a great city to be based in and there is a lot of stuff going on all the time so like you're, you're always spoiled for choice for things to go to uh not just musically but like in general and it's a lot cheaper than ireland to live <laughs> which definitely helps um, but, uh, yeah, just, I mean, like, anywhere with everything then being shut down it's just been a bit of a downer. And then seeing not much actionable change happen mm. since, since I can't things have opened. This,
0: yeah, I can't believe this no dance thing. Is there, is there a foreseeable end to that in the future?
1: Yeah, so basically the clubs were open since, like, not very long. I want to say maybe the end of September until, mm. like, a week ago two weeks ago. And then, um, yeah, the numbers have just gone really high here again, and I think it was basically a way for the government closing things without saying, you have to close. I think that's kind of what it seems like to me, like they're saying, oh, you can't dance, but like, what's (laughs) So rather than saying you have to close, it's like, you can't dance. So I don't know, Um, it's a bit weird. But I mean, I don't know, maybe someone will seize the opportunity and do some really cool like ambient light or something. Yeah. Where you all like the sit dam. around and chill out. Like that could be nice. I don't yeah,
0: there's been quite a few of those I've gone to here, but they I, I find them very stressful to watch. was um, <laughs> <laughs> just what my friend. That's DJing not what you one. want! <laughs> I know, I'll explain why. The live sets were fine, they were amazing, but my friend was DJing one and she was DJing an ambient set. And just everyone, like in this huge room, just watching her intensely. I feel like when people like, uh, usually when you're DJing, like you know, people are dancing, they're talking to each other, they're having fun. But everyone was just w- watching her with hawk eyes as she did like every small little change. Like it made me feel very stressed.
1: Stressed for her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That does sound very stressful. <laughs> it sounds very intense. I wouldn't like that either. Yeah. But like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe as an audience insulation. member, it sounds very nice yeah yeah like installation if there's some sort of light show you could look at or yeah, a projection be or something but definitely if you're just playing like chill stuff and everyone's looking at you yeah that be horrible that's yeah. so horrible yeah <laughs> all lights off, maybe
0: <laughs> yeah awesome oh I'll probably start to wrap up soon because i need to send you back to work and i have to go to sleep eventually in my time zone
1: um yeah yeah Um, the time zone thing is it's it's intense it's super weird so i'm talking to you and you're in the future i'm in the
0: future yeah it's 11 p.m awesome anything else you'd like to add or talk about or we already spoke about what's coming up for you in the future in terms of releases i wonder do you have any gigs coming up obviously there are laws so i don't know how much planned
1: um no not really anything like hopefully that release will come out in April I'm pretty sure it's four tracks I can't remember um but it's it's, I love the mystery like I can only remember three but I'm sure it's four I'm sure it's four (laughs) and that that should be out uh, hopefully April and I'm really excited because even though I released something at the start of this year it or this year already feels like a hundred years it felt felt like the longest year ever so I'm quite excited and I feel like it's a good mix of yeah all the productions i've done so far like it's not exclusively a breaks record or like whatever um so i'm quite excited for that to get out and then yeah just gonna spend the holiday period trying to bang out some new stuff and i think i might actually try and self-release something next year and maybe get a label going or something I love you, So, you've heard it here first. This is good that, like, <laughs> I've got a fire under me now. I've it said is it, so I have to do it. <laughs> <It's leaked. laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, hopefully, so maybe that could be like the summer or early autumn next year. But awesome. I definitely want to, want to get something going there. Yeah.
0: Actually, as well, what we haven't spoken about is your mix. Can you tell us what to expect from that? I'm oh, very yeah. excited. I
1: forgot about the mix.
0: <laughs> yeah, I forgot all about it. I was
1: like, I can there's something else. <laughs> so, yeah, the mix, the mix, I mean, it's kind of like icy vibes um, yes i love that I feel feel like great sense- yeah yeah i feel like i've since have heard vibes so much uh in this chat but like, <laughs> i don't know it's just really in my head or something um, yeah i feel like it's quite icy and i think that was probably due to the weather here in berlin yeah. at the moment but at the same time i started like looking through a lot of old stuff like like um what we were chatting about like there's some andy stott in there and awesome there's even some uh what else There's just some some really old stuff and it's mostly like a slow mix of kind of icy, bassy, it's kind of like Fever Dream, I don't know. Yeah I was like quite into it and I was doing it I think because I was like listening to some old Annie Stott and then I was listening to like some old Witch House stuff Mm. and I was very very inspired with kind of that dark um, atmosphere even though that's not the the atmosphere th- the entire mix but it was definitely this kind of like 2010s electronic beautiful kind of stuff that came out right around then um, so yeah that's kind of what it what it is it's kind of icy and fever dreamy um it's got some bass tracks got some like slow kind of chuggers which i'm really into a lot like i'm dropped stuff everywhere so yeah i hope uh, tunes
0: in really enjoys it I can't I wait not too icy
1: every, I hope it's not too icy when everything's really sunny over there and is oh, yeah. it like oh what a mood killer <laughs> <What>? <laughs> no it'd be perfect
0: I love yeah icy seems to be your go-to word to describe your music which I think is a very great descriptor also yeah, I, I mean, I've personally never heard anyone use the word class or class class as an uh, adjective yeah.
1: <laughs> so I really like that <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, this is a very like standard Irish class. Yeah, class. got loads of them, but um, class,
0: thing. That's so amazing. Awesome, well, thank you so much for joining me. It's been so nice to chat to you. Yeah, you too, lovely chats. Great to meet, <laughs>
1: chat. Me. I was about to say, great to meet finally, but great to talk finally. Great great to meet.
0: This is pretty much how we're gonna meet yeah. in the metaverse from now on. So just exactly. a tester of the
1: future. <laughs> Zuckerberg approved. But yeah,
0: Zuckerberg has approved this interview. Thank you.